Welcome to the snooze button. Hey, I'm Brittany of Brittany She and Sleep. I've got 99 problems, but my kid's sleeping isn't one. Hello, guys. Welcome to another episode of the snooze button. We have a very exciting guest with us today. Um, you know, I am a sleep consultant, but feeding and sleep are very tightly intertwined, as you guys know. And if there is one thing besides maybe poop that I talk about all the time besides sleep, it is feeding and food and solids. And, you know, that makes sense, actually, because poop does have to do with starting solids. So this is all, this all makes sense. So I have someone very special here who's going to talk to us about food. Um, so Michelle Muller is one of the founders of Little Spoon, which I know that many of you are familiar with, if not all of you. So this is very, she's like a celebrity in, in the baby space, right? Um, and Little Spoon is on a mission to make parents' lives easier by delivering baby, toddler, and big kid food that they deserve. So it's the first and only end-to-end platform that seamlessly covers baby's food journey from their very first bites all the way through the big kids. Um, And Michelle is a mom herself of three boys, like a true boy mom, based in Brooklyn. So Michelle, thanks for coming. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to chat with you. Um, So much to touch on. There are so many things. I know we like took us a while to get started because we were just talking about all of the things that we could talk about. Um, so I guess, I mean, I personally am very interested to hear how you went from whatever you were doing before Little Spoon as a mom and to where you are now. Like, how did you guys come up with this idea? What was the trajectory? How did you, the three of you come together and how do you like, how, how did it all happen? Yeah, great, great questions, right? Um, who who are these people and why are they experts in, in baby and kid food? Um, <laughs> that's the question we get sometimes. So in my past life, I was uh, actually working in real estate development in New York City, which was surreal. Um, I enjoyed it, but it was 150 miles per hour at all times. So, um, you know, my first son was born. I went right back to work after, you know, he had, I guess, about 12 weeks. And there were so many days that I left for work before he was awake. And I got home after he was already in bed. And it was a struggle for me, to be honest. Um, You know, I really wanted to grow my career. I was excited about what I was learning and exposed to. We were building luxury residences and hotels and designing celebrities' apartments. It was really cool and super fancy for this girl that grew up in Texas. Um, (laughs) But I'm also a mom and I miss my child. So when my second son was um, born, I started really thinking seriously about all of this. It, it, It started to reach a breaking point. I've always been very passionate about food. Um, My my grandmother is an amazing cook in the kitchen and I have so many childhood memories of shadowing her and baking treats on the weekends. And, um, so food has always been special and I knew that I wanted to make my own food for my boys because what existed all the way back then, we're talking, uh, 2007, 2008, 2009. Um, it really was just shelf stable baby food in a jar that was cooked until there was nothing left, no nutritional value, really, Uh, just empty calories, right? And the thing that floored me was the expiration date was about two years out. So I was standing at a grocery store, had this moment of, oh my gosh, 
this is my option is to feed food to my child. And this food is actually older than my child. That's disgusting. That is disgusting. I never thought of that before. Ugh. Just old baby food. Gross. Why why is that normal that that should be a child's very first exposure to food, which is delicious? And if you're having fresh seasonal food, which here in New York, we're a little bit spoiled. We have these beautiful farmers markets where farmers from New Jersey, the Hudson Valley come down with incredible fresh produce that was picked that morning, the day before. And so these were sort of the 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 two choices I had. I can be a shorter nursing at home and prepare some really special food and expose great taste, texture, vibrancy to my kids, or I can feed them what essentially tastes like cardboard (laughs) and is older than them. And I asked myself, why, why is this the choice that parents have to make? Where is the middle ground here? Why is it so extreme? So that was really the beginning of the journey I started working on recipes, trying to figure out how I could even create a business, um, you know, producing the food, getting this fresh food to parents quickly, um, and highly perishable food, right? So long story long, uh, a mutual friend actually connected myself to my partners, Ben and Angela, and they knew that we were both sort of parallel passing the concept of a fresh baby food um, oh, wow. that, that could be brought to market in people's homes. And it's interesting because when you look, you know, we're going back to kind of 2015, 2016, and what was happening in the food space. We're seeing cold pressed ju- green ju- juices come out, um, you know, cleaner yogurts, uh, incorporating interesting ingredients like chia seeds. Um, And really optimizing for a cleaner ingredient panel and higher quality nutrition, minimal nutritional damage. So uh, the short of it is the three of us joined forces and shocking, um, it is a heavy lift to create a clean label, (laughs) cold food uh, option for babies and, and children. So it did take us a little bit of work to, you know, find the kitchen that we wanted to work out of and really set up our system to be able to ship to our families. Um, and then we launched in November of 2017. So it was very scary to leave a salaried job and benefits yeah. and all sorts of comfort and go out. But when I look back and I can't really put my finger on one thing, but I just had a gut feeling. I knew, I knew that parents needed this and that they wanted it. And that if we built it, they will come. Um, and I, I think we have, and I think they did. Um, I, uh, I'm yep. really privileged as the, the chief experience officer to spend a lot of my time studying um, feedback we receive from families, thinking about what's not working, what we can do to improve other products that we can bring to them. Um, but really, I would say the core of the decisions that we make here at Little Spoon is around the customer and the parent. Really, you know, one of our um, foundations of Little Spoon is that the customer is the center of our gravity. So we're always thinking, how can we make this food better? And how can we make the parent's life easier? 
So everything we do, we are thinking about the quality of the ingredients, the nutrition, and what we would like to ultimately build. Um, and I think maybe are there for some parents already, but when a, a customer or someone thinking about buying from us sees little soon, they know they don't have to turn over and read the label because we've already done the work for them. Um, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. It's been and you, surreal, like a journey. <laughs> I can imagine. And I mean, what you described is exactly how I found you guys. I didn't have the, um, I didn't have the, the deep thought about the food being older than my son, but I did think it looked gross. Like I would walk by that aisle and I was like, I just can't imagine feeding him this. So I, I did what you just said. This is when I, the brief period I was a stay-at-home mom. I went to the farmer's market. I got a big thing of sweet potato and something else. And I like, you know, I did the whole thing and then had it in these tiny jars. And like two months into that, I was like, I, I'm going to go insane. Like, and I'm not, I, I wish I was like a, a great chef. I'm not like food is not my personal passion. And it was just like, I couldn't do it. And that's how I found you guys. I think I mentioned it to another mom in like a mommy me class. And she was like, have you heard of Little Spoon? And I think, I mean, not only is it everything you just described, one of the things I love about it is the resealable tops. Because when you have a little baby, sometimes they don't want to eat a whole, like a whole container, right? So it's like, I was, this is amazing. And there's like different flavors. Anyway, um, I guess, that, I mean, that was something that jumped out to me. But now you knowing others in your space, because it, it, to me, it feels like you guys came up with the idea and like anything else, when you have a good idea, you know, I used to work at Birchbox. It's like, as soon as we launched, it was like, da, 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 da. you know, everyone's like, this is a really good idea. Um, like what set you, sets you guys apart from others in the space and like has allowed you to kind of keep that lead, you know, in the business? That's a great question um, because you're right. There are those ambulance chasers, right? They see a good thing and they want it. So they move fast to sort of right on the, the coattails so to speak, uh, or as consumer uh, buying behavior is shifting, um, there's more opportunity, right? Right. And a couple of things that, you know, so I mentioned, you know, we think about this all the time in, in nearly every decision-making meeting uh, when we're talking about changes to our website, when we're talking about changes to uh, the delivery experience, um, thinking about new products constantly the customer is the center of our gravity are we making kids healthier and are we making parents lives easier it's not just about the food it is about mom and dad right. too um something that is really insane to me is that the number of dual working households for gen z and millennials has hit 80 percent the cost of living today is just skyrocketing. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's nearly impossible to have a single working parent household and be able to do all of the things that you want to do. Um, and so that being said, we think about it all the time that our parents are more time strapped than ever. How do we help them help themselves? And it always goes back to that. I, I feel like Gen Z and millennials are always talking about, um, you know, do what you do best and outsource the rest. And I make this yep. knowledge, this understanding that our time has a value. It has a dollar mm -hmm. amount to it. Because if you're spending, you know, six, eight, ten hours a week collectively in the kitchen prepping, you know, cutting up a three-pound butternut squash, roasting, pureeing, <laughs> and then cleaning, you know, da, da, da. And then all of a sudden your kid doesn't like butternut. 
backlash. What do you do? Uh, but those 10 hours plus, that's 10 hours playing on the floor with your baby, yes. maybe getting a little extra sleep, getting to bed sooner. Um, it really does matter. And it becomes this sort of death by a thousand paper cuts, uh, yep. just exhausting you to the point of a breakdown. So long story long, we think about sex and that parents' time is more precious than ever. So we're constantly having conversations with our customers, hearing about what they love, where they think there's areas of opportunity for us to improve, what products we're not making that they would just love to see come to market. Um, So I would say what sets us apart from everyone else is how closely tied to our customer we are. And I think there's a lot of companies out there that say that or that they value their customer's opinion. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, revenue, the almighty dollar wins. Um, but that's not how it is at Little Spoon. We easily have conversations with, I was talking to one of my favorite team members, um, Liz, on our marketing team yesterday, and she was on her 20th call with a customer. Um, I myself had eight calls with, with customers directly. Yeah. It's something we are obsessed with, truly, is not ever losing touch with our customer and what they want, what's working, what's not. So honestly, I would say that is probably the biggest distinguishing factor is not losing that connection and um, always listening. Because if we stop listening, what are we doing? <laughs> you uh, know, totally. we, we yeah. need to help. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, that's probably what, what sets us apart. And, and frankly, I'm very proud of that we have a as you should be. And I think that to your point, I know like other people can say it as a customer myself, and even just in our conversations before this, that very clearly comes across. And I think it's a business that's not related to what you or I do. But I was talking to someone about another, I'm just going to be very cryptic, another company. And what I said <laughs> to to this other person kind of in the, in the in our larger space was like, you can't fake authenticity. I see what they're trying to do, but it's backfiring because you can't come across as a genuine whatever this if you're not like if people can see through it people know when you're just like pitching stuff to make money or whatever it's very obvious you know people are smarter than we give them credit for um so and then it's a ripple effect right if you're listening to the customer then you're launching products that make sense you're pricing things at the right way you have the right ingredients it's because you care because that's what people care about um okay there was i mean we could talk for hours about that but of when i put up my question box on instagram I got a lot of the same types of questions. They are the things you would not be surprised what they were. So I, before we even get to those questions, I wanted to just talk about the three. You've heard a couple of these things. Okay. So the three, in, and we can just do them in order that everyone, and they asked about in the question box, but they also just asked me about, I'm also not a food expert, are the right age to start solids, perspective on baby led weaning versus purees, and then picky eaters. So I guess first, your thoughts around like timing to start solids. Sure. So first and foremost, every child is different. As a mom of three and my little micro family, I've even seen that. I don't know if you feel the same way about your kids, but um, I do. Being a while, I mean, my my youngest is twelve now, and my oldest is sixteen, and I'll reflect back on um, something they did maybe when they were eighteen months old and just be like marveling at the fact that their personality was there. Uh, and yeah. 
So it, it's interesting how you'll see kids approach food a little bit differently. But I think first and foremost, you need to have a conversation with your pediatrician, right? Um, between mom's expertise in your own child and the pediatrician's guidance, it really is a very personal decision. Um, I have with with my own kids nursed up to six months before introducing, but um, I have many friends that started closer to four months. So it really depends on you and your situation and, and you know, if there's any sort of developmental challenges maybe that you're working with the pediatrician on. But they will know and they will absolutely have a conversation when it's time to, to green like that. Um, and then, and so typically it happens somewhere, I would say, between like four to six months. Yeah. Um, and, you know, puree versus baby by meaning. And that's a question we get all the time. I, I hope I don't sound a little too obnoxiously egalitarian, but one thing that is a hallmark of little spoon is we are a non-judgment zone. We really do not subscribe to a certain parenting technique, discipline technique, feeding style. Really, when then Angela and I started this business, we were so sickened and frustrated by the amount of mom and parent shaming going on out there. And we just said, yeah. we don't need to subscribe to this. We can provide a solution for everyone, no matter where they are on the journey. And so we have some families that start with us with the very first bite of free food and they start with puree. Um, we have others that are sort of like you. They um, love the idea of making the food themselves and they mash some bananas and avocados, roast a sweet potato, and then all of a sudden it's time for spinach. Where do you even begin with that? Yeah. How do you make a spinach puree appetizing for your child? And so then we'll have some folks come over maybe at month seven, month eight, uh, when they start to get maybe intimidated with trying to incorporate variety or uh, veggies right. and fruits that maybe are a little challenging to prepare. Um, we do have a line um, that we call Biteable that is designed for hand-to-mouth eating. It really is more for uh, once the pincher grass has started. So that can be anywhere from like eight to 10 months, depending on the child. But really that hand-to-mouth self-feeding, fine motor development, um, and then chewing, which is actually yeah. an important uh, moment in, in the food journey. So, totally. you know, I, I really don't have a hard belief in one over the other. I think it really boils down to family, uh, what works best for you, perhaps some guidance you've received from your pediatrician. Um, there are children with speech or mouth development issues. And so like a baby-led weaning journey might be better for them because it's going to help work muscles that they need to focus mm -hmm. on. Um, there are some people that really love the puree route because when a baby is born, they're actually born with taste buds, not just on their tongue, but underneath their tongue and inside their cheek. So this is mm. why sometimes we see kids try a new food and they almost have this like stunned shock look on their face. They have so many more taste buds than we do. And so some people I didn't like know that. Gray. So fascinating. Yes, it's actually, that is one of my most favorite fun facts. And we'll <laughs> come back to that when we head on the picky eating topic. But it's interesting because with purees, 
it can move around the inside of the mouth. And so it can expose more taste buds to the, mm. the flavor and the texture of whatever the puree is that you're feeding. And so some people really love that aspect of it. And I will say, we have a ton of families that do both at the same time. Yeah. So That's what I was going to say. Really it's like people don't seem to know that. Like, I feel like people are are fed this these like narratives, like this is better, this is worse, this is better. Mm-hmm. And so you feel like you have to like pick. It's kind of like yeah. parenting. It's not like you don't have to like follow one one person's rules for everything in your life. Like it's okay to give them some blueberries and then also have a puree. Like that's fine. Yeah. A thousand percent. Say it louder for the people in the back. Yeah. It's funny. Sometimes when it comes to parenting, I see a lot of parallels with um, like identity parenting and identity politics. And yep. it can be extreme yep. and a lot of emotion behind this it. This is what we do. No, this is right. what we do. This is what I was told we're supposed to do. And you're like, you can you can also use purees. It's okay. I get it. It's okay. Absolutely. And and listen, not to like go down a tangent of like philosophy and whatnot, but if there's one thing I've learned personally through my own parenting, the best thing that you can do is let go of expectation and kind of just observe the process and take directive. As soon as you put an expectation on a journey, you're bound to be disappointed or left in. And so I think if if I were to go back and give Michelle advice when my oldest and Pierce was six months old, I'd say laughs. Yes. You know, this this should be a joyful process. It's it's a moment to explore. And I think one thing that parents sometimes lose touch with when it comes to feeding or exposing, whether it's periods or baby blood weaning from six to 12 months, we have to remember that this is less about critical nutrition and it's more about exploration and exposure. Yes. The majority of a child's nutrition, vitamins, minerals, all of the things are coming from breast milk or formula. So anything else that you introduce from six to 12 months, that really is kind of icing on the cake. It's, yes. it's food before one just for fun, right? That's kind of a, a philosophy that you hear thrown around sometimes. And it is true. The majority yep. of their nutrition, they are getting from your milk or So that piece of knowledge alone can de-escalate the situation. Yes. And, um, Make it more fun, more playful, and kind of approach it with a sense of curiosity and um, a journey with your child. The one thing that I think is so critical and so key to do before 12 months of age is to introduce many different ingredients, mm-hmm. colors, textures, and flavors. Why? When a child is a baby, they don't know how to say no yet. Continue to turn them if they're full, which is important to follow their items there. But um, you don't get that, you know, quote unquote picky eating or saying, I don't want that and I'm not going to eat it. It's a really beautiful moment of time where they're extraordinarily receptive to what you're supposed to do. Once you have introduced it and they're familiar with it, then it's less scary when they do hit the terrible two things. 
um, or whatever that picky eating moment rears its head. Um, so the more foods you can familiarize your child with before 12 months, the better you are down the road to prevent picky eating because they already have exposure. And yes. that, if there's one thing I would say, that would be it, is really take advantage of this beautiful window. And totally. That's, that is, that is the best advice. Um, and that, um, that leads me to the picky eating question, because, you know, I do think that I'll sometimes see, you know, our friends or whatever, they have a younger, like, oh no, she'll eat anything. And, you know, you, no one's ever, at least no one I'm friends with is going to be the one to be like, just you wait, wait till she's three. Right. But like, you kind of know, it's like when I have friends with a two day old, they're like, he, he sleeps like a dream. We won't need your help. I'm like, okay, that's great for you for the next week and a half um, but in my head. But so, I mean, I think that it's, it definitely hits parents by surprise sometimes, right? Every kid's different. So you can expose them to everything. You have one kid who's never picky and one who becomes super picky. But I guess even when you've done all the right things, like why do you see that happen and what can parents do when they do have a kid? They did everything right. They tried everything, all the vegetables, and their three-year-old is crying for only chicken nuggets for a week. Okay. So this is a topic that's sort of multifaceted. So there's a few pieces, key pieces of information that I love to share um, that can sometimes contextualize or at least bring these sort of aha moments to the situation. Um, first is that it is on a psychological level, it is actually healthy and normal for your child to hit that quote unquote terrible choose or that moment where they learn the concept of the word no, and they start to be able to exercise it. Um, (laughs) it usually corresponds with a moment when they start to realize, and, and this is like progressive brain development. It's a healthy thing. It's a good sign. Um, but they start to realize that their entire day is planned out. They are woken up at a certain time. They nap at a certain time. Mom puts them in clothes. They have to go to daycare or preschool. And they have that dinner at a certain time. And they have to go to bed at a certain time. Everything's planned out. And they have no autonomy. And so you'll see uh, two main ways that kids, you know, sort of rear their heads around this phase. Uh, one is they get really adamant about picking out their clothes because it's something they can control. So your child might all of a sudden insist they're wearing pajamas to school every day, or they want to wear the same princess skirt every day, whatever it is, or their hair has to be in pigtails and not a ponytail. Um, but they realize this is something that they can control. And I would say if, if that's how it rears its head, let your kids wear what they want to wear. It's okay if they're PJs to school. My daughter is wearing her pajamas today, just to be clear. She has never asked for what to wear. And she woke up this morning and said, she just looked me dead in the eyes and said, don't take off my jammies. And I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm going to change your diaper, but all right, sure. So she's in her jammies. I mean, is that really going to ruin anyone's day? No. Pick your back, so to speak, right? Right. That is one way that they sort of start trying to flex that autonomy muscle. Um, the other one is food, right? They can control what's going to go into their body. And so that's why I say if it if it shows up with the clothing or hairstyle or wearing a special hat, uh, embrace it. <laughs> let let that be their outlet because food right. gets trickier, right? Like sure. we, it's, it's, it's against our genetics to allow our kid to go. <laughs> 
especially painful. And I'm sure that like we're all wired that way for a reason that we make sure. Right. Um, but fear is kind of the inconvenient truth. And um, it's funny because I've done several podcasts or been a part of, um, you know, Zoom events where parents can join or sort of been on the weekend and um, with pediatricians and unequivocally, every pediatrician works but a lot of times picky eating is the parent's fault. And it's preventative. Um, I know that we don't like to no, I kind of was curious if you would say that because I, I agree. Not not 100% of it, but like I kind of agree. But yeah, I'm glad I'm glad to hear from somebody else who's an expert. Yeah, and, and I it's tough because if I've ever shared this um, live, I get a lot of dirty looks. Um, <laughs> but it's the thing. You have to look at this almost like sleep training, right? Like this is, there's going to be an element of pain here, and a part that's uncomfortable. But a lot of things in life, the good comes from moving through discomfort, right? What is that quote? There's no change in the comfort zone and no comfort in the change zone. So this is kind of one of those uh, moments in life that that it's good to have in their mind. But the truth is, and every pediatrician will tell you this, no child will starve or stop themselves. That is learned behavior. Happens mm-hmm. much later in life. So here, I'll share anecdotally what I did with all three of my boys. And to this day, I make one meal for them. Yep. I do yep. not go back. I don't make special stuff for anybody else. But what I do is I, I make dinner, and we have a family. So I allow my kids to fortune out onto their plate. Um, and they have to try one of everything. So, you know, if there's, let's say, broccoli, chicken, and some roasted potatoes, they have to try at least one of everything, but they can control the portion. And so there's that little layer of autonomy there. They get to choose. They're not having a plate set down in front of them. I also don't subscribe to Clean Plate Club uh, that I grew Mm -hmm. up around and still trend. (laughs) Um, Same, same. (laughs) But I just say, we have to try everything once. If you don't like it, that's all right. You don't have to necessarily, if you eat that one broccoli plate and there's two more on the plate, it's okay. I'm not going to let you just you try it. Because I do believe that over time and with repeated exposure, they will come to appreciate that food And I've seen it with my own. Yes. The repeated exposure is really, truly key. Um, but, and here's the tough part. Plenty of times I've sat down and one of the boys, you know, in their toddler years said, ew, that's gross. I'm not eating it. Okay. No problem. No problem. Eat what you want. Uh, and then you're good to go. And we'll go into bath time, bedtime routine. I am going to cover up your plate and put it in the refrigerator. And you know, tonight you get hungry and you decide you need to come back and finish your dinner, it will be waiting for you. And sometimes it's, no, I want yogurt. I want this. I want that. an apple, a banana. No, this is dinner time. This is not time. And if you decide you're hungry, it's waiting for you in the room. 
there have been knockdown drag out fights where, you know, the tantrum all over the floor and they're trying to hold so strong. But every single time they tiptoe out, it might be 8 p.m., 9 p.m., mommy, I'm hungry. Can I finish my dinner? And they come back. And I will tell you, it's not pretty and it's not easy. But between each kid, I think I saw a total of three, maybe four tantrums. And then they learn. Mom doesn't make a new meal. I get what I get and I don't get upset. I can control how much I eat. You don't yep. have to have a ton of veggies and very little of the fun stuff, but I have to have a little of everything and I can control how much I'm eating. And there's no snacks after dinner. That's another yep. thing. It's you know, very same. dangerous to offer up snacks after dinner because then you learn I'm going to eat like a bird at the dinner table and then yeah. have a giant bowl of yogurt afterwards because that's what I want to eat more. So it's and I'm not going to lie, it is not easy, but I do think that it is time well spent to put those boundaries up now because it really will pay itself back to you as your kids grow and get older and they start eating ungodly quantities of food like my 15-year-old right now. I'm thrilled totally. that I don't have to make four different dinners Oh my God, I can't even imagine. It'd be the most annoying grocery list ever with the teenagers. Yeah, we're the same it's way. I, I actually really like your um, fortuning yourself. I mean, my kids are like a little bit young for that now, but we're the same. They can have milk after dinner. So I actually don't mm-hmm. make them try everything, but I think it's because of my own childhood trauma. Maybe I should. But I basically am just like, this is dinner. Eat it or you know, take it or leave it. But that's it. You can have milk after dinner, but that's it. And every now and then my yeah. oldest will just not really eat. And then- and then he tells me he's hungry later and I'm like, you can finish your dinner or you can have milk. I don't know what to tell you. know, That's it. Right. Right. And stay strong on that because it really will serve you over time. Um, and um, I'm, I also see, sort of like you were talking about earlier, every child is different. Every personality is different. Um, one kid might be the super teeter and as picky as can be. Um, but one thing that I do see often fully empathize and understand is parents may just nail with the first kid. And it's this fabulous eater literally will have anything under the sun, eat an anchovy on toast, eating a sunway, just one of crazy foods. Um, but then the second one and maybe the third one, right? And um and I get it. We're we're so yeah. time stressed. And so you have two parents and one kid for the and then for number two, it's one on one, and we're sort of like ships yep. in the night, kind of tag teaming time, dinner time, bedtime routine, right? And so you start to just get more and more and more tired, and then you know it, it's easy for these habits to kind of fall off. Totally. And so, I mean, I as hard as it is, I would really truly encourage parents to try to lean into it and be friends. I mean, I can't help but plug a little soon here, but truly it really is an amazing tool for parents who, you know, like something's you can't make dinner and stuff every single night and have the mental capacity to play chess with your toddler at the table. Um, you know, maybe having an option like a little spoon where you can throw in a toddler plate and 
donuts and you need something to have on the table gives you a little bit more brain space to take that deep breath and be ready to go in to manage if they try to resist on on dinner, right? Um, Totally. And and that's, again, going back to that amazing philosophy. Do what you do best. And that's where you come in with your expertise, too. Well, I mean, there's so many parallels. Yeah. It's like, I, I mean, I think about, as you're saying that, I'm like, I obviously have three amazing sleepers, three good eaters. And I do outsource, like I call Instacart my chaos tax. It's like the tax I pay mm-hmm. because I don't, and I still, given that I was on the phone with Delta yesterday afternoon for an hour and then the call dropped and I started crying in my office. Cause I was like, that is an hour. Like I've been on the phone for an hour and I didn't get the thing, the flight fixed. And it was just like devastating. So, so painful. Those things are so bad, right? It's fine. I ended up resolving it later at night, but it was like, you know, and you think about if it, that's already life with like so many like privileges and things in place. So there's things you can do like that to make your life right. easier because having a lot of little kids is hard no matter what. There's no way around it. So Absolutely. I would. And it's, it's these like little luxuries that you afford yourself to. I love that you call it the chaos tag or yeah. like sanity tag. <laughs> yes. I did not coin it, by the way. One of my friends did. My friend Jen, I'm giving you credit now because she called me out last time. She's like, I'm, I'm Jen, Jen gets credit. But great, great Thank phrase. Thank you, Jen. I'm stealing your term now. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, okay. These, that, that is so interesting and helpful. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any questions that are different from what you've told me. Oh, this is a good one. Okay. One so quick do, thing. What, can I yeah, tell you tell one, one more tidbit of information that I do want to share everything eating? Um, and so I, I'm glad I, I didn't forget to share this. So I was talking about taste buds earlier. So oh, yes, this yes. is something that's so wild to me. One of my very best friends from growing up, he ended up becoming like a super fancy pants chef. He went to the Culinary Institute in upstate New York and ended up working for Danielle Balud and Guy Savoie. But he called me when he was a student at the CIA and he said, Michelle, and I had my first son at the time, he said, I learned the craziest thing in class today and I have to tell you, did you know that children's taste buds completely overhaul every three months. And I said, what do you mean they overhaul? And he said, they cellularly regenerate and overhaul every Hmm. three months. And that's very normal. And so he said, this is why a kid will ask for the exact same breakfast every single day. And then all of a sudden, one day they wake up and they say, that's disgusting. I don't want to eat that. That is crazy and makes so much sense. It explains that the joke we all have, like, I will go to Costco and get 75 bananas because and then nobody wants bananas. And it's like, that's why. Because they literally don't like bananas anymore. To make 50 banana breads. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But but so my friend Andy... And by the way, Andy's the head chef at this amazing restaurant outside of Austin, Texas. Um, So I have to give him credit for that incredibly invaluable piece of information that he shared with me all those years ago, because it really changed my perspective when my kids had those shifts. Instead of me saying, oh, you're a picky eater and labeling my kid, I then said, oh, your taste buds must have shifted. Okay. We're going to shift with it. That's cool. And so that is also a thing I see parents doing that I think is um, not great is labeling your kid 
a picky eater. Right. Right. Because once they start hearing that and you're reiterating this concept to it, how do they not live the picky eating label that they've just had slapped on them? Right. Um, And so that is a piece of advice I would say is just put that, like tuck that in the back of your brain and just remember it just in case you have one of those weird whiplash moments with food that is likely the source of of why the shift happened and not because they're a picky eater. And so I, I really encourage yeah. parents, like try so hard not to use those words around your kids because it then becomes a label and then they live it. So tr- just try, like think of it as like four letter words. Don't, don't use them. I mean, and I think that is such good advice. And I feel like we can extrapolate that out to parenting in general. And it's so hard to fight this urge because I think it's natural to want to get to know your kid's personality and like the things that make them different. But I've caught myself trying not to say, like not to label my kids in front of other parents. Like, oh, he's the funny one. He's, he's our, you know, serious, smart one. He's the silly, whatever. Like I, I, I want them to hear those things and be like, okay, I'm the funny one. Okay. So now I have to be funny all the time or like or I'm that. the smart one. I think so that's I can't get a B. so that's no. so good of you. Um, and it, yeah. it's really easy to fall into that yeah. um, and, and sort of project your perspective. And it's almost like you you put an expectation on, on your child before they've had a chance to even be right. authentically themselves. And it, it's natural. It's hard to catch yourself. But I think that's so cool that you're self-aware. Doesn't mean I don't I don't do it right, but I'm aware, right? That's that's the best we can all do, right? I always say that to parents when clients will be like, yeah, I'm just so frustrated with you know what's going on, or whatever. And I'm like, it's okay, it's repair. It's like I will yell at my six year old and I'll be like, I'm sorry, mama had a hard day. I shouldn't have talked to you like that. I'm really sorry. Let's reset. You know, it's like that's they just need to know that we're human and we make mistakes, right? First I'm calling them picky. <laughs> um, okay, so we'll do the one question. I know you're a very busy lady. I will let you go, but. Um, I thought this was a good question, different from what we've talked about. So Sam said, creative ideas for lunch and snacks at school. I feel like half of our preschool class is allergic to something, and I'm so limited in what I can send. Been there. That, you know, I have to say, um, from lived experience, in addition to talking to my mom friends, in addition to talking to our Little Spoon uh, families, Packing lunch is literally the most painful part of every parent's day. And it's funny because Mm. things have shifted. We uh, went into COVID and then all of a sudden, you know, we we couldn't get packages out the door fast enough because parents needed help with making dinner because they were working from home and cleaning the house, doing all the things. So now that everyone's back in school and we're back into a nice normal life, thank goodness, um, my sanity was on the yeah. brink there. Um, Same. now we're back to the, you know, crazy morning, like breakfast, getting the bags packed, uh, you know, packing lunch, making sure it's something that they're going to actually eat. So they don't come home with a yeah. full lunch box that you sent them with. And of course, every single kid wants something a little bit different. Yay. More fun for mom and dad. Um, but So long story long, we ended up launching a line called Lunchers, and they're cold, ready-to-eat lunches, so you can literally take them out of the fridge, pop them in the lunchbox. Amazing. Love them. They're getting such amazing feedback. So many parents have said, you've literally saved me 30 minutes every morning, every day this week. It's incredible. Now, that doesn't work for everyone. Um, and yeah. that's okay. There's still plenty of parents that, you know, maybe they're doing dealing with allergens or, um, 
dietary restrictions, whatever it might be. Um, and so my big thing, and, and this is again, one of those like inconvenient truths, I am adamant that meal prep is the way to go. And I set aside time on Sunday to sort of hit the reset button, think about the week and um, make sure that I have the, the Instacart delivery or whatever grocery delivery so that I have all the ingredients and they're ready to go. And anything that I can prep in advance, I do. So if you can cut up some carrot sticks or have the grapes already washed the night before, um, and I pre-pack the lunchbox um, that like the night before that it's going into school with them. Um, obviously, not everything can get you know pre-prepped and sliced and and there, but you know maybe it's um, a sandwich that I am you know putting in the the next morning, but I'm not adding in like grapes, cheese, carrots, right. and like all the other components. So that to me has been such uh, a great pivot in my mindset yes. of maybe I'm tired at the end of the day, but if I can get this lunch 80% there, then when I'm half asleep in the morning and glugging coffee, I like have one thing that I have to worry about and then I'm good to go. Yeah. Um, another thing I would say is when your child is at the right age, what I did with my boys when they were like toddler years to kind of like mid elementary is we're going to sit down on Saturday or Sunday. And we literally drew on a piece of paper, a chart and, you know, Monday, Tuesday through Friday. And I'd say, what do you want for breakfast? And then what do you want packed in your lunch? And Mm. we would write it down together. So if for some reason they came out, I have breakfast waiting, you know, at, at the table. Ew. I don't want to eat that, mom. Oh, but Pierce, this is what you picked out for your Tuesday morning breakfast. Remember when we talked about this on Sunday? And every single time they see the chart on the fridge and they say, oh, yeah, we did. I did pick that out, didn't I? And they eat it. And that is the same thing that would happen with lunches. As soon as I started asking them to help me pick it out, then they would come home with an empty lunchbox and I know they ate everything Love at that. school. It was great. Takes a little extra work, a little extra planning. And I know we're all so time strapped, but it really is an amazing investment in time. And it really will give back to you as the week goes on. And we've totally. Yeah. I love that. I've also really liked, I don't, I mean, this is just a personal thing, but I really like using like, I, we have planet box, but, or it's like lunch bento lunch or whatever, but something where there's the pre-portioned spaces because it like creates in your head. Like for me, I do it the night before too. And I'm like brain dead at 10, 30 or 11 doing this, but I'm like, put cheese cubes in one, pick a vegetable, pick a fruit. Like I, it, it kind of for, instead of just having like an empty plate basically to fill, that helps me a lot too. I, we are huge, huge fans of like the compartments and you yeah. know all the amazing companies that have these fantastic lunch boxes these days. And kids love it too. And totally. like you know, if you it's can fun. make something that's like dippable or you know, like like they're involved in it, um, there's actually like scientific studies that have shown the more involved a kid is with either like picking out what they're eating. Or if it's something like manipulative, maybe carrots and hummus or something along those lines, they're more likely to eat it um, when they get to play with their food. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. That makes sense. Love that. Okay, great. Well, 
I've learned a lot personally, so I imagine everyone else has too. Thank you so much, Michelle. And you guys, um, Little Spoon has very generously offered us a little discount for all of our listeners. So I'm going to put this in the show notes. Do not worry. You don't have to memorize it. Um, but if you're a first-time customer, you can get 50% off, which is up to $40. Wow. Um, using code Little Snooze at checkout, um, which I mean, I think everyone's going to do for sure. So thank you so much, Michelle. We appreciate your time. Me, this was such a pleasure, and um, I, I hope your listeners leave today or after listening um, with you know a little more ease in their life. I, I have no doubt they will. Bye, guys. Loving the snooze button? Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And please leave a review. I will read it and internalize it, so make sure it's very glowing. If you're interested in working with me or learning more about my courses, head to britneysheehan.com or follow me on Instagram at britneysheehansleep.